Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Well, we're back again. Um, it's good to be back. Um, partner, how are you doing? How was your time off? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well. My week was good because I'm still here. And right at the top, however, I would like to extend my sincerest condolences to you, Dr. A, for the loss of your father. I appreciate that. Uh, my dad passed away last Friday, which is August the 4th. Um, he spent 81 years on this planet, and uh, he will have his homecoming August 21st in the city of Philadelphia, where he was raised. So I appreciate that. Um, it's well with my soul, and you know my siblings are doing okay. That's good to hear. So can you tell us his full name and how you plan to remember him? Like what, what, what are the good things that you will remember about him? (laughs) That is a great question. (laughs) My father's full name is Horace uh, William Anderson, but he's affectionately known as Sonny. Um, He never really was called Horace. Everybody called him Sonny. Uh, The thing I picked up from my dad the most, and I think my siblings would agree, is his work ethic. Um, Like, always went to work. Um, I don't remember him missing days off or anything like that. Always went to work, always was on time. So those are two things that that are embedded in me. Um, I don't have the time down as much as he does, but I have it down good. Like I get to work like an hour or two before work starts. Um, so, but there's other places like I don't always make on time. I I make work (laughs) on time, but I don't always make events on time. Well, that's okay. I can attest that you, I can attest to the fact that you are indeed a hard worker. So, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my pops. Um, Again, I appreciate that, and we'll miss him. Anything else before we get our show started? No, that's it. Let's let's do it. All right. (laughs) So, Dr. John Henry Clark, um, he had a long quote. And that quote is the acceptance of the facts of African-American history as a legitimate part of the academic community did not come easily. Slavery ended and left its false images of black people intact. Um, I just think Dr. Clark is saying in this quote that 
we had to overcome a lot not just the physical bondage that which slavery put us in like mental bondage even until this day negative representation of african americans uh by way of media um is still deplorable at times and we have ramifications because of you know this these false images what say you partner i agree wholeheartedly i think Again, Dr. Clark was right about what he said, and we're still fighting to bring facts to the forefront of African-American history. People are still trying to replace the facts with false images of Black people as accepting of oppression, when in fact we've resisted the whole time since we were stolen from Africa. Because as I always say, Black existence is resistance. The fact that we're still here is resistance. Also, there have been the false images of African-Americans being complacent as enslaved people who somehow benefited from skills that were developed while we were enslaved as if we were taught these skills when in fact we were stolen because we had these skills already. So I think Dr. Clark's words of wisdom ring true even today. Yeah, and to jump back on the end of that, even in the state of Florida with this guy, DeSantis, mm-hmm. um, trying to eradicate black history um, out of the curriculum in the school system and putting in his own words by saying that we benefited from slavery. It's just them uh, trying to control the narratives of African-Americans. And um, this speaks to what uh, Dr. Clark is talking about, you know, exactly. we have to consistently fight against those images and those portrayals um, that falsely depict us as less than. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I think it's apropos for today. Indeed. All right. We'll just let that ride out. Mm-hmm. It's so relaxing on a Sunday. So today I want to talk about something that we use here in the Jackson household. In fact, our son Justin um, started using Nexium for heartburn and acid reflux. And Nexium basically is uh, part of a class of drugs called PPI or proton pump inhibitors. It's one of the most widely used medications in the United States for stomach-related conditions, and many people refer to it as the purple pill. The most common side effects of Nexium include headache and nausea, and there are serious side effects um, that include kidney damage and bone fractures. Fortunately, we haven't had to deal with any of those uh, side effects. Bone fractures? Yeah, I guess it. in some people, it can soften your bones and make you prone to fracture your bones. Okay. I, I'm assuming that's 
with extended use over a long period of time and maybe, you know, overusing it perhaps. But we haven't had to deal with that, fortunately. So yeah, Nexium. Nexium. And let us move on. Nice picture. I like the orange she's wearing in this picture. Uh, when I pick out the photos, I try to pick out <laughs> the best photos I can of that person uh, or that situation. Um, so, yeah, so Lizzo's in the news. Um, this was shocking to me. Um, me know, too. Because oftentimes we get, and we, I'm talking about regular folk, we get enamored by celebrities and superstars uh, because they're so prevalent and they're thrust, thrusted in our faces. And I thought she had a good, or she has a good message um, about, you know, not being body shame and things of that nature. And she's uh, speaking up for the more curvaceous women um, in society. And then to have this thrown at her, like at first I'm saying, is she body shaming the slim? Uh, the skinny or was she but you know they clearly said you know that um she was talking about weight and hostile environment and just not a nice person what did you think when you first heard these conversations about lizzo okay well i think i agree with you that i i mean i was pretty much shocked because of her as you said her message of body positivity that she would be accused of, of these, of these allegations. Um, so yeah, it was, it was shocking, but I still feel as if it is prudent to wait until all of the facts come out until the, there's a trial. If this is not, if, 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 if this is not settled before a trial, until there's a trial and all of the facts come out and we find out exactly what happened, because a lot of times people make allegations and it just depends on your perspective. You, something may have happened, but then your interpretation of it is could be different from what another person thinks actually happened. So, but just to, to sort of um, lay out what we know so far, Lizzo, who she's 35 years old, and her real name is Melissa Vivian Jefferson. I didn't know that. Vivi she doesn't look like a Melissa, but, <laughs> but her name is Melissa Vivian Jefferson, and she's being sued by three of her former dancers for sexual harassment, creating a hostile work environment, weight shaming, religious and racial harassment, false imprisonment, interference with prospective economic advantage, and other allegations. So her dancers are claiming that she pressured one of them to touch a nude performer at an Amsterdam club and subjected the group to an excruciating audition after leveling false accusations that they were drinking on the job. The uh, lawsuit accuses Lizzo of calling attention to the dancer's weight 
after an appearance at a South by Southwest music festival. They're also alleging that the singer and her choreographer, um, Ariana Davis, they told uh, the singer and her choreographer told one of the dancers whose name is Ariana Davis, they told her that she seemed, quote unquote, less committed to her role, a comment that the suit describes as a thinly veiled concern about the dancer's weight. So you see what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like they said that she was less committed, but she's interpreting it as a thinly veiled concern about her weight. So you see what I'm saying? Like things can be interpreted differently by different people. And that's why I feel like we have to wait until all of the facts come out and we find out exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I heard that they were forced. One of the allegations of one of the uh, lewd acts that she wanted her dancers to perform was while they were in Amsterdam, the lady dancers had stuck a banana in their vagina and she, you know, told them to eat it. The the banana and a lot of the workplace, because people say, well, you don't have to do these things. But if you're putting other things in front of it, like fear of retribution, of losing your job, of being thrown off tour, or not being able to hang out and get these perks, you're making the environment hostile. And it's up to you while you're working and working is traveling anywhere together. So you got to make sure the environment is conducive. Right. And I and do agree people, with you. We have to wait until, you know, all the facts and everything comes out, but it doesn't look good for her right now. It does not. And I mean, there's lots of different allegations about things that people said happened. Um, but, Lizzo addressed the allegations and she's saying that she's hurt. Um, she called these claims false. She said this is unbelievable and outrageous. And then she made a statement on her Instagram page where she said, these last few days have been gut-wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. My work ethic, morals, and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been criticized. And so she's denying what's happening, but she, you know, is obviously very hurt. And I, you know, Lizzo is known to be very sensitive. People who follow her on social media, there's plenty of videos where she's very emotional and she cries and she's just very open with her fans about her feelings and being depressed and things like that. So, you know, I'm not surprised that she's saying that she's hurt by this. And now to add insult to injury, she has been dropped from Super Bowl 57 halftime show consideration. Did 2024, you know yeah. Yes. And so that's because yeah. of the sexual harassment. Right. Because of these allegations. So mm -hmm. these, I mean, making allegations against people can be very, very serious because of you know, the, the ramifications. Yeah. But th there was a writer that was supposed to do, um, a story. Um, and she was supposed to follow, um, Lizzo. And she said she couldn't believe how Lizzo was acting and how she was treated. And she had just stopped. 
you know. Stopped what? Following? Like stopped following the group around. And I want to <laughs> say she was with them for either two weeks or two months. See, it's 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 very tricky, and I believe it's really going to take a jury to really suss through all of these allegations and all of the facts and the circumstances and everything because. You know, it, the the dancers may have actually gone along with all of these activities. For example, participating with these uh, shenanigans or whatever at the 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 club in Amsterdam. But on the flip side of that, people can feel pressured into going along with those kinds of things. So people could argue, well, you were having a good time, you were laughing and 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 you know enjoying yourself. So how are you going to now turn around and say that you are in a hostile work environment and that you've been sexually harassed? Well, that's the whole point is that when you are an employee and, and when there's an employee-employer relationship, you can feel intimidated by your employer and you know feel um, that there's a certain, obviously there's a certain um, hierarchy um, and uh, someone in authority can make you feel as if you have to do something that you may not want to do. Do you see what I'm saying? And so even though you went along with it, you can, it could still be argued that you were sexually harassed because of this relationship. So the bottom line for me is I, I, I do empathize. I don't empathize. I sympathize with Lizzo, because I don't know what it's like to be accused of, you know, these types of allegations. But I, I do sympathize with her because she does try to, you know, empower women and she tries to be uplifting and positive and put positivity out into the world. So it's disappointing to see someone like that to have to go through this. So I wish her love and I wish her peace and strength throughout this ordeal. I hope she makes it through to the other side. And I really do hope that these allegations are not true, but by the same token, you know, I don't wish any um, harm on any employees at, you know, either. So in the end, I hope that it's not true. Um, but I am not going to pass any judgment until I know exactly what the facts are and you know whether the truth will prevail and justice will be served in the end that's what i hope for interesting and let us move on guess we're staying in the music industry with our next story uh tori lane the rapper who shot uh, Megan the Stallion in the foot is sentenced to 10 years in prison. Mm. That seems like a lot of time. I know it's a gun charge and some people get just for having a gun on them could get like seven to 10 years. So he actually fired the gun and struck an individual. Um, so 10 years, even though he still claims his innocence um, yep. <laughs> he's uh, going down Megan the stallion is saying like he doesn't deserve any um sympathy uh because he's shown no remorse 
um, after all this time. And he blatantly said, I will not apologize for something I didn't do. They are framing him with this. And he said he will prevail. Yep, he sure did. He he has a statement a statement addressing this since um he was um Accused. sentenced. Yeah, and it's it's on his Instagram page. You want me to read it? Go ahead. <laughs> he calls apparently he calls his fans umbrellas. Did you know that? I didn't know that, and I can't figure out why he calls his fans umbrellas, but he says, to the umbrellas, I have never let a hard time intimidate me. I will never, never let no jail time eliminate me. Regardless of how they try to spin my words, I have always maintained my innocence and I will, and I always will. This week in court, I took responsibility for all verbal and intimate moments that I shared with the parties involved. That's it. In no way, shape or form was I apologizing for the charges I'm being wrongfully convicted of. I remain on the stance that I refuse to apologize for something that I did not do. I faced adversity my whole life and every time it looked like I would lose, I came out on top. This is nothing but another moment where my back is against the wall and I refuse to stop fighting till I come out victorious. Tough times don't last, tough people, people do. do yeah. To I my family, that. friends, and umbrellas, thank you for your continued support. See you soon. I don't know how he's going to see anybody soon with 10 years, but okay. I mean, I think he's hoping that it's going to get overturned or something. I don't know. Uh, I know I wouldn't be hyped. Well, I'm not saying he's hyped up, but uh, <laughs> I would be like 10 years. <laughs> I know. Well, the prosecutors was, were seeking 13 years. You know that, right? They yeah, were seeking that, 13, so 10. And stay, hopefully- Stay with away this, from guns. And does he have time served already? I think he served a a year and a half, maybe. A so year maybe that'll go towards it. So, and then you know maybe he'll get out early. But apparently he's going to appeal. That's why he's maintaining his innocence, I guess. Let's see what happens on the appeal. So that is something. Mm -hmm. And let us move on. All right. We are still in entertainment, and we will transition to Billy Porter. Yeah, I think uh, we have a theme going here. And an and, and actor who just recently talked about, because of the strike, he has to sell his home. What say you about that? Yeah, I mean, this is very unfortunate. Um, that the writer strike has come to this because I know you and I we talked to two Hollywood writers um, earlier that um, were affected by um, by this strike, um, and you know we were hoping that these issues would be resolved by now, and that you know the strike would not come to something like this where people are going to have to start selling their homes and. Um, things of that nature, but it just, I mean, you could say, you know, people are like this who don't necessarily get a, a steady paycheck every two weeks. You could argue, well, they should save their money because they don't know when their next, you know, gig is going to be, or when their next acting job or writing job is going to be. And so they should save their money. But everybody yeah. on TV, people need to know that everybody on TV and everybody in the movies is not necessarily rich 
You know what I mean? And right. they don't, they're just famous, yeah. Right. Don't and confuse the fame with the economics, but people will look at how flamboyant he dresses, you know, especially mm -hmm. at these shows. But I would tell people designers design things for certain people because they know they're going to get a lot of camera time and that goes to marketing publicity. So they can design some wares for him to wear, which will cost him nothing. You know, they might even pay him to wear it. And that doesn't mean that is a part of his wardrobe that he gets to keep it. I don't know Billy Porter. I can't say. I just know the business works sometimes like this because they right. always ask the people on the red carpet, who are you wearing? Right. And, and that goes a long way for like the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys, the Emmys. That is a huge deal. Um, also, you're right. You know, a gentleman that came on the show that we listened to, uh, that's friends with the, let's, I'll even give him a shout, Kevin Hart and the Plastic Cup Boys. He came on there to break everything down to say like, and even Billy Porter said this in his article, that a lot of um, actors and actresses live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. um, it may be because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses and the style of living. So, you know, just like regular folk, you know, they want to drive this, live here. And in their head, they're like, I can manage it. Um, but sometimes they don't think about saving money. And again, neither you and I know uh, Mr. Porter personally. Uh, but I, I was, I was shocked because he's been in the business for a, a while. No, but the other thing is, is that a lot of um, these actors and writers uh, are in New York and in Los Angeles, which the cost of living is very, very expensive in those cities. Yeah, you but the checks I mean? that they make are pretty decent, though. You know, because even the reality shows, you know, some of them are getting like $10,000 an episode. And there's 14 episodes, $140,000. And a lot of them do other things on top of that. So to me, that's a very, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I'm speaking as a regular person with a regular job. And even with the. It's, it's you know, what you're trying to, and I get it. California is high. Yeah. Very high. And but, New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. It's like, what are you trying to do? But I don't want to get on him about that. He's saying the strike is the cause of it. Right. And even with the fund, they, they have a fund that they have, um, that they use to help uh, SAG members to pay their bills during times when they don't have an income. And I know Dwayne The Rock Johnson contributed like a, a million dollars to the yeah, fund. A lot so, of people did. Yeah, so there's people are trying to help, but even with the help, people like Billy Porter unfortunately find themselves in the position where they have to unload these these um well, it would can be considered an asset a property, but I guess in this in this case for him it's a burden that he had to has to think about I wouldn't have unloading announced it because you lose leverage once you do that. Well, that could be, I don't, I don't even know, but you can look at it another way. He could be saying that to garner sympathy from 
the other side as well. Uh, it changed. It changed the because he he said that the other side was going to have to beg for them to keep their homes or something like that. And he says I'm already at that point. So and he he did file for divorce and separation. I don't know if divorce now too from his husband. So he could have lost money in that. But you know who has been insulated from this issue, which is kind of a it's it's kind of amazing that that Tyler Perry and all the people that work for him in Atlanta have been insulated from this issue because it's he's he's basically independent. He he's not intertwined with Hollywood, so he doesn't you know have to de- concern himself with this conflict basically. And the people that work for him are still working. And- well, that's not true all the way because Naeem was shooting. And I'm sorry, to those listeners and viewers, Kim and I are avid um, <laughs> listeners to um, Kevin Hart, uh, Straight from the Heart on Satellite Radio, mm-hmm. Channel 96. <laughs> 96? Yeah, so th- th- we get a lot, and they're all in the entertainment industry, so we get a lot of information and Naeem was down in Atlanta shooting, and then they had to wrap up. And they liked it. He was down there like two days, and the second day they was like, "What? What time do you want to fly back home?" So, oh, yeah. it is- well, is that in solidarity, or they really were affect? Like, oh, because he does. Tyler Perry does a lot of his own writing, but he does hire other writers. Writers, too. yeah. And so, is it in solidarity though? Because those writers it's still don't have- imp- it's still impacting them. They're not shooting the shows, yeah. Right, because they are members of SAG as well. Okay. Right. So all right, all right. Um, My bad. But yeah. But I see what you're saying with with that. Yeah. So, you know, uh best of luck to Billy Porter. Hope everything works out for him. And let us move on. And why not finish up with one more entertainer? <laughs> uh, a good singer, definitely great singer, great songwriter, great talent. Mr. Neo, I don't know Neo's last name. I don't even know if Neo's his first name. You got any information on Neo, any background? Or we so, can just jump into what's going on with his this new situation he finds himself in. You want to know Neo's actual name? You want to you gotta look for it. Yeah, you well, you know. Google New I'm Googling, I'm Googling. Yeah, we can do that after the show. Let's jump into his, his name is Schaefer Shamir Smith. Schaefer Shamir S-H-A-F-F-E-R. Schaefer Shamir Smith. Like the beer. <laughs> Back in no. the day. That's an old joint. Right. I know, but he's commonly known as Neo. Talented. And I think it's actually spelled N-E dash y-o so we know you're not a neo fan but anyway. oh yeah you know, <laughs> you're trying you know you're trying to do uh, about, matrix you know, <laughs> yeah matrix. I, that i apologize for that i i Blue pill actually, or red pill <laughs> no nah, i was actually talking about like the new neos that went on on our line you know oh okay yeah that's what was on my that's mind so, brothers for, for, forget, yeah, well the the new ones that came across 
Oh, neophyte. Okay. Yeah, they neophytes. All right. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play a little bit of what he actually said. Let's 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 listen. have no issue with with the lbg i have no problem with none of with nobody okay right. love we love do what you do exactly i just personally come from an era where a man was a man and a woman was a woman and it wasn't but two genders and that's just how i rocked Me now too. It, 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 you could you could identify as a goldfish if you feel like. right <laughs> i agree that ain't my business just, it becomes my business when you try to make me play the game with you i'm not gonna right. call you a goldfish but exactly. you, you want to be a goldfish you go be a goldfish it's all amen so then I'm going to fast forward to something else that he said. This is his apology about speaking the first time. No, right? this is no, this is the I, I feel like parents have almost almost forgotten what the role of a parent is. Amen. It's like, OK, if your little boy comes to you and says, Daddy, I want to be a girl. And you just let him rock with that? You just let... Right. He's five. Right. And where did he get that if from? If you let this five-year-old boy decide to eat candy all day, he's going to do that. Exactly. Like, when, when did it become a good idea to let a five-year-old, let a six-year-old, let a 12-year-old make a life-changing decision for themselves? Right. When did that happen? Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. I, I, just, I don't get that. And to medicate that. these young kids that are five, six, growing up and knowing that it affects their brain. It affects their organs. It makes them sick. But they're not allowed to do drugs. They're not allowed to do alcohol. Right. We can medicate them. He can't them up. drive a car yet, but he can decide his sex. Right. Oh, right. What sex orientation? And you can cut up his pee pee. And and that to me that makes no sense whatsoever. Is, so I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard a rumor that they 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 either passed or are trying to pass a law in LA that states if your child comes to you and asks to do some of these things and you say no, they can take your kid from yeah, you. Yeah, that's true just passed in California. That does, that makes no sense. They want us to have no control over our children. I don't, I don't get it. In schools. I don't get it. Hospitals, libraries. Yeah. They just want to manipulate. You got to understand when they're so young and they're already, that's impressionable. That's right. Mm -hmm. And from them, they're going to believe what you say. I mean, yeah. we say Santa Claus is real. So that's what he's, that's some of what he said. Initially. And then, yeah. Right, initially. So after that, he issued uh, an apology, apparently. Um, let's see if we have that. Yes. Yeah, so let's hear what he said in response to the backlash and his quote-unquote apology. If you can call it that, yeah. What's going on, loved ones? This is Neo. All right, listen. I normally don't give too much of a damn about what y'all think about what I do, or what y'all have to say about what I say, whatever. I normally don't care because, like I said, opinions ain't special. Everybody got one. However, this is something I feel very strongly on, and I need y'all to hear this from the horse's mouth, not the publicist's computer. So check this out. First and foremost, I do not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. Now, if my opinion offended somebody, yeah, sure, I apologize for you being offended because that wasn't my intention. My intention is never to offend anybody. However, I'm entitled to feel how I feel. 
I'm absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. I ain't asked nobody to follow me. I ain't asked nobody to agree with me. I was asked a question and I answered the damn question. Okay. I have no beef with the LBGTQIA plus community whatsoever. I ain't got no beef with y'all. Do whatever the hell it is you want to do. Do what you want to do with your kids. However, Somebody asked my opinion on this matter, and this is how I feel. I will never be okay with allowing a child to make a decision that detrimental to their life. I will never be okay with that. I don't. I, I definitely plan to educate myself a little bit more on this matter. However, I doubt that there's any book anywhere or any opinion that somebody's going to tell me that's going to make me okay with letting a child make a decision like that. That's just period, point blank, and that's how I feel. If I get canceled for this, then you know what? Maybe this is a world where they don't need a Neo no more, all right? And I got no problem with that. I'm a hustler. Right? I'll figure it out. I got kids to raise, and I'm going to do that regardless. So with that being said, y'all have a good day. I love everybody. Live how you want to live. Love how you want to love. But your opinion is yours. Speak your opinion as much as you damn well feel like it. Because as I said, they're not important. They're not special. Everybody got one, and you're entitled to it. I'm entitled to mine. All right? Y'all feel how y'all want to feel. Have a great day. It's Neo. Peace and love. Okay, and that's, that's a lot to unpack right there. Yeah, I indeed it is. Um, I think I think the problem is he. I, I think he would have been okay if he had just limited his comments to saying he doesn't think minors should make life-altering decisions. Because I think most people would agree with that. Um, but when he made the comments about when he was growing up and it was just when he was growing up, it was just a man, a man was a man and a woman was a woman. It comes across as being judgmental against um, gender affirming care for transgender people. And that's when I think he got himself entangled into this, in this controversy, especially when he said, when he, he referred to, transitioning as a decision that is detrimental to a child um the pro i i i, I think you could have just threw a word in like that could be detrimental or he could have said something that could be irreversible you know i think i agree with his overall sentiment that a minor child should not be making major life decisions. For example, we don't want our children to drink. Um, we don't want them to do drugs. We don't drive. want them to drive, do, you know, get tattoos that they may regret when they, when they become adults and things of that nature. Right. But to me, there's a difference between that kind of behavior and those kind of activities versus something that, is actually um what's the difference benefit no beneficial for your health for example remember the parents um who have religious beliefs that Jehovah witnesses don't, right. don't do blood tra transfusion right and they don't want their children to have certain kind of medical attention when medically it may be actually necessary for a child to have that um medical treatment so that's where i put this um because the fact of the matter is that the American Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics, along with the American Psychological Association, 
all agree that gender affirming care is not dangerous for trans youth. And in most cases, it's beneficial, highly beneficial and life-saving. So. Wait, wait, wait. Say it is highly beneficial for tra gender trans care. Gender affirming care. Is what, what, not is, dangerous. what is affirming, affirming care? Like switching your organs? Well, it may not be switching your organ. As a child, they may recommend, instead of changing your organs, they may recommend um, puberty blockers, which is medication that's already prescribed to many children for other reasons. So they may give you the puberty blockers to block certain hormones what, that can, what until, you, until, you, until you become an adult and then you can what make impact do those the pills? decisions that you want to make to maybe transition. What impact do those pills have? What effect do they have? It keeps you? you from, it keeps you, for I'm example. I'm talking about negative, like. Because that's what the lady was saying. They're forcing them to take these pills that are not good for them. And I don't know if she was talking about well, those particular That's pills. the thing. She's not a doctor. Like we have to, we have to rely on but we don't, scientific that's information. True, but I, I don't think she, you're right. But I don't think she was coming out of her mouth claiming to be a doctor. I think she was. Well, that's why out. you can't say, well, what about what she said? Because she's not an expert. That's what I'm saying. But we don't know if she, she got her. Said you can't Hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. You not let me finish. She could have got her information from someone else. Just failed to quote the source of it. Oh, so did she get that boy, boys are cutting off their peepees? Because nobody said that. No, she was talking about the pills that they're no, taking. But she also said the kids are cutting off their peepees. Like she's clearly not an expert. She's just saying, I mean, that was I'm not I'm saying she's an expert, but you're saying that she's just coming up with rash opinions and we don't know if she's getting her information from other physicians. Well, I just quoted the information from the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Psychological Association who all agree that gender affirming care is not dangerous for trans youth. And in most cases, it's highly beneficial and life-saving because oh, kids are killing is, themselves. What is it though? What is? Well, I'm not an expert. I can't tell you what it is. So okay. you saying what is what? What is gender, gender affirming? affirming? Yeah, what gender is Gender affirming it? care is, for example, if there's a... Um, a, a is that the a, operation? What, what, no, no, if that, no, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to explain. For example... If a boy decides that he doesn't feel right like a boy, a boy he wants and he wants to be a girl, be a girl yeah. they may give him the the um, puberty blockers to keep his voice from getting deep or to keep him from developing muscles or whatever. It's but why would she blocker. care? Why She seems like she would be more on that side of what you're saying because she doesn't want them to have... Um, their penises remove uh, anything or their vaginas change. Yes, that 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 that's a, a very good observation that you made. That's exactly right. But she's saying she's saying even the puberty blockers are harmful. Yeah, that's what I thought she was saying. Like right. they're harmful. Giving them medication because we're just talking about medication, and and this the experts are saying give them the medication until they become adults because most of them. Um, um, 
the the endocrine society and the world professional association of transgender health do not recommend surgical intervention before age 18 unless the patient their doctor and a mental health professional all agree that intervention is necessary so they're saying don't do any surgical intervention until the person becomes an adult See, but my question is they can say the doctors could be saying the blocking of the hormones are good because rash decisions aren't being made. But just think about it. We grew up with those feelings. We grew up with hormones. I don't know what it would be like to grow up and not have hormones, to not look at a girl in seventh grade and say, oh, she's pretty. I like her pigtails or get into ninth grade and want to have your first kiss. Well, that's because you didn't feel and you didn't feel out of sorts. You felt you felt okay. You you were you were well adjusted child that didn't have any emotional or feelings of inadequacy or feeling as if you're just don't belong in your own skin. And yeah, but some people experience from other children. But uh, some children, when they say they they're not heterosexual they're homosexual and they have homosexual thoughts what's wrong okay. with that nothing but this is a totally different issue that's sexual no, that, we're that's saying sexual that, orientation versus gender identity those are two different issues this is gender identity yeah it's not i get sexuality. that they're not I, they're trying to i but part of that isn't part of that sexuality no it's just gender identity it's not sexual orientation. It's not saying it's not sexual orientation. Uh, yeah, gender is something that women are and men are kind of programmed or taught to do. Right. That's what gender is. You agree or disagree? Gender is just a part of who you are as a person. I mean, you're talking about nurture. Versus nature, nurture, like the way you're raised and the way you're conditioned and the way you're socialized. That's totally Those different. are gender are social norms. Like putting pink on a baby and putting blue on a, on a baby, pink on a baby girl and blue on a baby boy. That's a part of gender. Playing with dolls as opposed to it's playing with socialization. trucks. That's right, but that's, they, that's they, right. Call, they also call those gender norms. And just trust me on that one. They call those gender norms. Okay. Yeah, right. we do. It's in our society. Yes, we do. Right. Which so, is part of socialization. Yeah, it's all the well, same thing. We're saying the same thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And and I do agree with you. Sexual orientation is different. Right. Different. So to me, when you're not, you're non-binary. Let's say that. That means you don't. You feel how you feel. Like you don't subscribe. Like I'm not a boy or a girl. Like I like uh what Frida said on uh they the TSU thing, they went Vic Frida, you know what Vic Frida is? Uh-huh. All right, Vic Frida Release said, your mind. Release your mind. Yeah. Okay, um, so well, Vic Frida <laughs> said she was talking to Slim Thug while they were like back in college and she called herself a brista. Mm -hmm. You know, a brother and a sister. Okay. Yeah, and so that's how she is. And um and she was talking about that. So she, I don't know, that means she feels both ways um, at times, but she does have kids um, mm -hmm. and says, has a pe penis. And I, I don't think that Frida has like 
bre- uh, breasts. Mm-hmm. Like she still has a man chest. Right. So almost like she a cross dresser more so. But I can't. I don't want to define her and her. I don't identity. even know how she. Do you know how she identifies? Or yeah, do you know how she? She identifies says she's. A, she's she identified herself to Slim Thug as a brister. She's like okay. to my siblings, I'm a brother. To you know, my kids, I'm a father. To my friends, my girlfriends, I'm a sister. Or you know, brother okay. or sister. You know, so she did that. So um, she's not non-binary. She's her pro. What, what's her pronoun? Do you know? Is it her or they? You don't know. I don't know either. Probably they. Yeah, and that's fine. It's like so that I think that is different from non-binary because I think non-binary means you don't identify with either sex. But it sounds like freedom. Non-binary is means you they. You you're they. Yeah, your pronoun right. is going to be they. Yeah, and it sounds like Frida is either one, depending on the situation. So she will be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it gets tricky, but yeah, I. The thing about it is what I found disrespectful from what Neo said is he said, you can identify yourself as a goldfish if you want, but I'm not going to participate in it. In other words, he, it, t- I took that to mean that he would not honor addressing someone the way they want to be addressed yeah so to me that comment wasn't necessary to me if you want to be real say you can call yourself a man right if you're a woman and you can call yourself a woman if you you know i think you're a man you know but i'm not going to address you so he can always come back and say i didn't say i wouldn't address you as a man or a woman i said if you wanted to call yourself a goldfish, I wouldn't call you a goldfish. That's why I don't like conversations like that with the exaggeration, because you know, I don't, I can't say without a shadow of doubt, but I doubt there are many people walking around saying I identify as a cold goldfish. Exactly. So you, you have to imply that he's saying if you want to identify as something that I don't perceive you to be, then I don't have to participate in it. That's how I took it. That's how Wayne is. on. on I think that's disrespectful. Personally, I, I think you should either not address the, pe- the person or not interact with the person or honor what they have asked you to call them. Mm. That's just me. I get it. If you don't want to do it, just don't interact with the person. But Otherwise, I think that's disrespectful. So in the future, I think Neo should just keep his <laughs> limit his comments uh, without, you know, judging other people. What have we here? Okay, so this is a custom-made uh, Joseph Abu suit mm, must that be I nice. got from here. Tailor-made. Tailor-made, yeah. <laughs> Too big for me already, though. Um, I like the inside. I picked it out myself. <laughs> uh, and then I also have a dress shirt. 
uh, with Joseph Abu. I don't know how well you can see that. There it is. The light is. There oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I, I wear his stuff. <laughs> I have <laughs> a lot of his clothing. So that is, um, and they have it at the men's warehouse. Um, um, where I buy some of my suits and other in department stores, I buy them too. And those are usually other name brands, but, um, Joseph Abu shoes, um, pants, you know, blazers, suits, shirts. But socks. what do you like the most about it? Do you like the style of the clothes, the fit of the clothes, all of the above, all of the above. Um, I, I'm just, I'm not batting in the ballpark where I can just purchase Tom Ford suits like that on a regular basis. Have you ever tried on a Tom Ford suit? Uh, no, not yet. I'm about, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to. Because you may, it may not actually fit you because I know my husband, he can't, he can't wear certain things off the rack because he has like None, big yeah. thighs it, and stuff but, doesn't fit him. No, no, no. I would get it custom made. Okay. Custom yeah. made Tom Ford. Yeah. I would think. Ryan, if he didn't get his clothes custom made, he gonna have the best tailor. No diss to Big Ryan. Um, no, he but, does get his stuff tailor made too. Yeah, because you you when you wearing suits and things of that nature, anything to me, I want to be super com comfortable, right. right? And I don't since I lost this weight, like these suits, they they're like drowning me. Um, and this it's a great thing that you lose weight. I'm all for that. <laughs> But it is it is hitting my pockets right now because I don't really have clothes coming into the fall that um, I really can rock like that. And I I got to go clothes shopping in the, oh, this week, actually. See, so, I think that's um, the difference between men and women, because as women, we have like three or four different sizes in our closet. <laughs> closet we keep you know things that we've had for a long time because one day we might get in that size six honey so we yeah, gotta keep it around but, just in case but if it's 15 years later it might not still be in style <laughs> i know but yeah. you know i find that things you know repeat like styles repeat they like come back around. From, right. There's things things from the 60s that come back in style. Like the wide leg pants, bell bottoms, and stuff like that. If you wore bell bottoms today, you would be you would be on trend. You know, because bell bottoms are, or if you wear um like skinny leg pants, like what do they call them? Um skinny jeans, you would be uh on trend as well. And not that was back when, if you watch old episodes of I Love Lucy, she wore like the cigarette pants that were like fitted, the capri pants that were like fitted and stuff but, like that. Yeah, and, Joseph Abu is, is, is a brand that I wear on a regular basis. And let us move on. All right. Hey. The Riverboat Brawl. Everybody's talking about it. It's also affectionately known as the Sweet Tea Party. The Sweet Tea and, Party. And the Fade on the Water. They done caught a fade on the water. <laughs> this was very interesting. Unfortunately, people were hurt. Um, but it was definitely talked about seriously and unseriously 
Well, yeah. Well, first I want to say you, you said that, you know, people were hurt. That is true. But I think we can laugh about it now because nobody was killed. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of people felt good about it. Um, and people are making jokes and stuff about it because this is one time when we don't, we don't have to worry about, uh, someone being, you know, killed or a mass shooting or anything like that. Nobody brought any guns out. And this is what I talked about when we talked about gun control. I was like, we need to go back to fist fights. Like, what's wrong with the fist fight? But like, I don't condone this, violence. This, but. This, this, this still was a violent affair. So I don't want to make light of that just because there weren't any guns. Well, true. Uh, because it, it was violent. It, it, and to me, this could, and I'm about to talk about it because I, you know, I laughed at things too. Yeah. Um, because I found some things humorous. Um, maybe I shouldn't have, but I'm just being honest with the listeners in the audience. I did. Yeah, um, like everybody also, else. Yeah. yeah. So uh, some people were very embarrassed and disgusted by it because they look at the bigger picture as far as race relations in the United States. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is 2023 and we still have salt and pepper fights and things of that nature. Did you I'm call not it surprised. salt and pepper fights? Well, black, black and white okay. fights, whatever. I never heard of salt and pepper fights. Salt and pepper was usually the games that we would play. Playing basketball growing up, we'd say, hey, let's play salt and pepper. And that means the black kids against the Are white Are you serious? Kids. Yeah. Wow. I have never heard. Of, first of all, that's a good thing because that means you lived in a diverse neighborhood, which is good. <laughs> I mean, wherever you go to parks and you play basketball, sometimes that might be a key. But usually when that happens, you know everybody at the park. Like, you know, the white kids and the black kids. It okay. ain't just like, oh, I got to. I mean, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, you come with your crew of five and you got next. Your five happens to be all black. Somebody else's five might happen to be all Asian, all Hispanic, or all okay. white. Right. But back to the brawl. Well, we did shirts and skins, but go ahead. The ladies didn't. <laughs> we did, ladies, we, we did shirts and skins too, but I hated okay. shirts and skins. Um, <laughs> unless I was shirts. I I don't I didn't like to be touched on my body while it was sweating i just it just i did it because <laughs> said, I not, had, no, not no another man but <laughs> nah, it, just, it wasn't even kidding. that it just was the you know i don't know i guess my skin sensitive i don't know but anyway this okay. turned into <laughs> comic comic relief yes um there were a lot of things that went on uh, first, let me show you a little bit. I think I can. Okay, a little bit of what happened. A little bit of action. Yeah. Somebody said, what the hell? 
I I wanted to say that part. The first part was the security guy who got jumped. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a lot of speculation going on. I don't try to do that, right? Um, I try to be fair. I didn't like what Jason Whitlock was saying. Like, he didn't blame the black guys for coming to the rescue of the security guard. Nobody would blame that because he was get unfairly, he was getting beat up. And, and, and in life, I'm trying to keep it real. You would hope that if six guys was beating up on one person, regardless who that person is, somebody would come over and stop it. That's not always the case because there are repercussions and you don't know what you're dealing with. You may be going to save someone and that's the last time you will be on the planet because you don't know what else people have packing. It could be a knife. It could be a gun. So in this case, a man did come to his rescue and then the black 16-year-old man jumped in the 16-year-old young man jumped into the water and swam to help. And then, you know. uh, His name is, we know his name is Aaron Rudolph now. So he's 16 years old. Yeah, Mr. Rudolph in. came to the defense, even though when he got to the doctor, the black guy that came down had got everybody off of the security guard. But security guard was still pissed. He took See, off his shirt. He threw it down. He walked to the other side. These This lady in the blue uh, was trying to hit on him or stop him, and he moved her out the way violently shoved her so when they jumped him again when they fought him again she was in there trying to get her licks and kicks off on him uh-huh while right, he was so down right? i'm gonna tell you this and i know my audience is not gonna like it to me ladies that's why men don't try to take their women to clubs and social events where uh, there's a possibility that things could go down because once you get into the fight, you're thinking like you're not supposed to get hit. I'm sorry. You hit somebody, somebody going to turn around and hit you too. I'm not going to be like, Oh wow. You're a woman. If you clobbering me with your fist, your fist hurt too. And I would hate to do that. Like, and that's why I try to be a peacemaker. But in this situation, you know, there were a lot of white women trying to save their loved ones, and I'm calling them friends or husbands or siblings, and pulling, you know, people off. But once you put your hands on somebody doing a brawl, and I want to say doing a brawl, not a one-on-one. If a woman tries to come in and break up a one-on-one, yeah, man can stand down. But doing a brawl, you don't know what an individual is trying to do to you. That is correct. I agree with you. But see, the problem is you can tell people who've never been in a fight. They don't know the rules. We know the rules. There ain't no rules and no brawl. That's the, the rule. You just, you just said the rule. The rule is if you don't want to, if you don't want to get hit, don't join in the brawl. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They yeah. don't know don't the rules. Yeah. And I, I I actually happen to agree with you. And I'm a, I'm going to say something that could be controversial. I don't know. But I'm just going to say, I think Black people have a heightened sense of morality. And this would have been the response, regardless 
of who the person was that was being jumped, black or white. So I agree with you when you say, you know, when you, when you said you would hope that if someone sees someone being jumped unfairly and it's not a fair fight, they would intervene and try to break it up or at least try to protect the person that's being jumped. Yeah, I think black folks would try to do that. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. But I just took it a step further and I said what I think, which is that black people have a heightened sense of morality and a heightened sense of justice from being oppressed. The oppressed people do, I think, um, have a a heightened sense of justice and fairness. And we just want people to be protected when it's not, you know, when it's not fair. So I think, and and I'm going to say it again, I think these people would have intervened had the person been, had the, you know, dock worker been a white person. Like you would just, even But not in that fashion though. I'm just saying, that's just what I I just think. Do do you think in that same fashion, I agree with you, they would have intervened trying to break things up. Trying to break things up. Yeah, but I don't think they would have been coming with them handmakers like they was doing. Well, you know, you know, they to me they came to the defense. Well, I, I'm gonna just say this: it's Alabama. Alabama has a history of racial violence. We all know that. Trump they lived down there. there. Yeah, he was there the day before, but they felt violence. like watching it from the boat. They felt like the man was trying to, and he had a white partner with him. They were trying to tell the folks, and the the white. One of the white ladies' witnesses that filmed like the majority of the stuff, she was on the boat and she said that the boat captain was said for about 40 minutes to get, I forgot the name, they call it a pontoon. Yeah, move that the type pontoon. of boat, a pontoon. Yeah. They was trying to tell them to move the boat, and the folks were that the owners or renters of the on the boat were ignoring them yes and so, and so the security working. guard came off and did what he thought was necessary unraveled the boat and moved it they didn't like it like don't touch my sh- and my shiggity I, my my <laughs> assumption is they was slightly inebriated that's why they, they retaliated like that they had them beer muscles <laughs> yeah, and then, then very much they 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 were going at it though. I I can't say them white men, even though I thought they got tagged and got the worst of it, they still was in there fighting. When you're yeah. drunk like that, you don't feel a lot of the blows. Yeah, That's you the gonna thing. feel them the next day. The though. next day, you are gonna yeah. feel it though. Yeah, because they just kept coming. Even yeah. the guy, the 16 year old Aaron um, Rudolph, who swam from the riverboat to the dock yeah. and then got up. He had just enough time to take off one crock. I was like very impressed that he was throwing down like that, like body slamming people. Well, I think it's a it's, with it's one a, crock on. it's a, it's a, it's no he no 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 the other <laughs> crock. Yeah. yeah, no, because he only had one on because the other one he lost in the water. I think. Oh. Okay, because so it took it he just, one black thing on his foot while just, he was fighting. What was that? No, he had two socks on. I think he just was trying to keep an even balance. Oh, <laughs> so he could get some leverage. Yeah, he got people. some in. Like he was, this one white man was beating on this black lady and he came to her defense 
And he was wailing, and wailing means like punching profusely. Yes. On this guy. He had some skills. He had hands. Yeah. He had some nice hands. When you angry though, you know, a lot you of things. Adrenaline pump. Yeah, it's gonna pump up. And they were going. I can say a lot of black folks were proud of the moment. Yes. Right or wrong, but they were proud of the moment that they saw black folks come to the rescue of a black man getting jumped by six. Uh, five white males and one white woman. The other thing, Dr. A, is a young black person coming to the aid of an elder in our community. So that was also heartwarming to see. And there were some affectionate names that people started calling him, the swimmer. They called Mm -hmm. him Michael B. Phelps. They called him Stingray Leonard. Scuba (laughs) Gooding Jr., Listen, this one is hilarious. They call him I'll be damned. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one they called him that I saw was Aquamane. M-A-Y-N-E. That's hilarious. Yeah. Aquamane. <laughs> I called him Blackwoman first when he when we were watching it. But see, it's thing, hard to swim in clothes like that. I know that water weighs you down. It gets in your clothes, and then he got out of it and pushed, pulled himself up on the dock. But I the was, other thing, there's something I know, right? Somebody would have had to help me. <laughs> <laughs> he is a really good swimmer, I have to say. But it was interesting to see. I I saw a few of the white guys because they had on the, no shirts, they had on shorts and flip flops. There are people mm-hmm. out here scrumping and flip-flops and slides. That's actually pretty impressive because it's hard to get your leverage with flip-flops and slides on, but these people are, it's crazy. I think they're going to be surprised when they, you know, when they got sober and look back at the video, they're going to be like, what the heck happened? And then the uh, one guy who, one of the white guys who just went back in the water, he was mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to go back in the water. I'd rather be take my chances in the river than to catch this butt whooping yeah that was hilarious but all right so i'm i'm, I'm gonna try to show the second part oh okay because i got some more comments the guy with the chair i think took it too far because he sound like me. All right, so it's coming right here. This is the second part after the three guys knocked the guy out on the boat. And this is the last part where they was fighting. I think we're going to see the chair bashing here. Okay. Uh, they stopped it. You know what I called the chair bashing? I called it hitting by the dock of the bay. Because <laughs> I was like, where did the chair come from? And then when I looked at some of the video, I saw that the folding chair was just sitting there. Nobody, It was like nobody was using it. It was just sitting there on the dock. I was like, oh, there it is. And he just grabbed it. 
but I think he was one of he was the only black person that got arrested. No, nah, there was another one that got arrested. Too. Another black person got arrested. I think the old man with the chair, he he, you know, I was affectionately joking. I said he was on that bridge in Selma when he was a young child. That was bringing back memories. He had PTSD. Yeah, he was just <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to town. What them cops did to them folks in Selma. You know, um, this is this this could have been prevented. Well, it could have been prevented if they would have just moved their boat. Just got in their boat and moved their boat up. That's all. But that's, that's all the other thing we have to talk about. We have to talk about white privilege and people thinking that they don't have to defer to the authority well, of a black person. Is. Right. It's two sets of rules. Like, you don't tell me what to do. Like, you just a nigga to me. Yeah, there are two sets of rules. And the guy, the the dock worker, the black dock worker was so patient, in my opinion, because it was like three or four different white guys that came over to him and he tried to explain to them, listen, your boat should not be parked here. I let you have it here all this time while the riverboat was out on the river. Yeah. Now they're trying to come in and I already told you to move it and you won't move it. Yeah. And then when I saw him, Shanta, Dr. A, when he's clapped his hands you know when we start clapping our hands when i'm yeah, trying to tell you yeah. what to do i knew it was about to pop off i was like uh-oh he's serious when he get the i done told you 10 times already to move the boat then he took the hat turned it to the back i think they move. had some choice words for the black man and he probably was like well bring it come on he, then he was like okay i'm done i tried to tell you 10 different times I'm flipping the hat to the back. You know what? Forget it. I'm taking the hat off. He yeah. did that in one move. Flip to the back and then toss. And I that never dude struck him like in the that. face where he did grab him by the neck. Right. He him around. He threw two handmakers, but they got him quickly on that floor. <laughs> right. And they the got some licks into him too. Yeah. The brother came running down that ramp. Yeah. And then he yeah, started no. pushing he, people off. He yeah. was trying to break it up. He was not trying to. He, really yeah, he was trying, trying to break to. it up, but he, you know, some of my friends say he didn't do anything. He did. He had the white boy in that super headlock. And later on, he was doing things to get these guys off and push them off. So. Um, he was protecting himself, but yeah, the riverboat brawl, you know, um, an unfortunate situation, but entertaining to a lot. And that might say something about us that we find it entertaining. Uh, I find it unfortunately funny. Um, that's what, how I'm labeling it. Um, unfortunately funny. That's yeah. So, um, and the, you know, uh, the guy, the swimmer, Aaron Rudolph, Apparently he has a, a GoFundMe account. You know, he had a cat, I think a Cash App. They a found Cash out App. Okay. And everybody sent them. They sent them, I heard, over $180,000. Right. Until but he, he finally he was, said, yeah, stop. stop. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know why he I'm like, dude, you could get your college paid for. Don't do that. If I find it out, you know, I just folks gave it to him from the swimming alone. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, for the swimming alone. But so a representative um for his family, her name is Makina Lachea. This is what she said about Aaron Rudolph, the swimmer. She said, In the face of adversity, Aaron selflessly came to the rescue of a fellow colleague 
showcasing courage beyond his years. Well, so, yeah. the riverboat brawl. And let us move on. Yeah, yeah. We have a new segment. Right now, we're calling it Advice from the Two. <laughs> I need some good advice. Tell me I'm wrong or right. This is a choice to make. Please help decide my fate. You need to think it through. Give me your point of view. This is bothering me. You got a remedy? I'm feeling sad and blue. What you think I should do? What you think I should do? What you think I should do? All right. This is our new segment. It's advice and our first person on here. Um, she put her name up. She didn't have to. Uh, but what I would say, Carla, what is okay. your... <laughs> Hi, Dr. York. Hello. Hello. Pardon me. My voice is almost gone. I don't know. What happened? Did on. you go see Beyonce or something? What happened? No, no. Just <laughs> the weather or something. So oh, I told, no. you know, I just, I hope I can get through this. But um, I really want to know this. Yesterday, I had a very heated conversation with the family. And... Um, so um, she's a longtime friend of mine, and her brother has been strung out on drugs oh, and a recidivist for years, like for years. And so I watched this family ignore the calls of this brother. He called like every person in the group, and they all ignored his calls. And they said, one of the nephews threatened his wife and said, if you answer that call, like, I'm going to be mad at you. So I was like, why are y'all ignoring his calls? And they said, like, we're done with him. Like, we're tired of him. Everybody has helped him. He's just trying to get to the next person. So I wanted to know, what is you all's opinion? Like, they were looking at me because I was very adamant that I felt like they still should not ignore him. I didn't say, like, give him money, but acknowledge him. Like, don't ignore him. So I wanted to know, what are y'all opinions about that? If someone has a family member who's strung out on drugs, you know, they don't have any other family but you, do you acknowledge them and not help them or just ignore them? I think that there comes a time when a family has to give someone in this situation tough love. And to me, I agree with you that the person should not be ignored, but I think the family should, they should all get together and agree that they will take the person's call, but the only thing they're going to respond to is I am ready to turn my life around and I need help doing that. Any other request will not be granted and everybody should hold firm to that. And so you answer the call and you say, okay, are you ready to get yourself together? Are you ready to 
get the help that you need? Have you hit rock bottom? Are you ready to turn your life around? If so, we will help you. Other than that, have a nice day. I'll keep praying for you. That's my advice. What do you think, Dr. Andy? My advice is a little different because it's really going to depend on the situation. Um, I'm going to always provide food and if I can, some sort of shelter. Um, because it's dangerous on, on the streets. And when you don't have anything, you tend to do things that can get you killed. So the first thing I would try to do is get a counselor. Uh, there's so many resources on the street. Like, where can we get him help? Where can we get him clothes, um, housing, a, a bath, or things of that nature? And also um, treatment. Now, if he refuses those things after we take him there, but then that's you made that individual choice. Now, it could be the drugs talking to you and you're being an addiction, but you have to recognize that you're an addict, right? And you have to recognize that you're not only causing a detriment to yourself, but to your family members. They say you don't know your friends and your family until you become a burden to them. And a lot of times I see people like, this is what life is about. And I get into it with my friends all the time and I'm not trying to be self-righteous. It's easy to help somebody that is functioning. Like, hey, I need $100. I can pay you back on the first because you know they're working right mm -hmm. and they have a track record and that is good that you do it some people don't like to to loan money out any any way you put it so i'm not saying that's not a bad thing that's a good thing but those that become a burden on you that's when you really test it like because that's when you really have to help somebody because they're going through something it's easy and I tell drug addicts all drug addicts all the time, you got to talk to recovering drug addicts because they're going to have that sympathy for you because they know how it is. A person that's never a drug addict, we're, people may say things to them like, you got to kick them drugs. I ain't doing that's And that's not what they need to hear. You know, they may need to hear like, Hey man, you still need to get to your sponsor. You still need to go to counseling. Even when you get sober, you still need to go to your counselor. You still need to see your sponsor because it's an addiction that they have. And I know it's hard for folks. If you're a Christian, and I'm saying, saying this, if you're claiming that you're a Christian, then that helps you go without saying. And that doesn't mean always providing money as it is providing time. It's like, hey, I don't have money, but I have clothes. I have a shower. You're going to come to my house. You're going to take a shower. I got money for you to get a haircut. I got clothes for you to wear, and I have food for you to eat. And that's not putting money in somebody's pocket, but that's still caring. That's taking time out. and. I've seen it. I've seen my uncle come to my uncle's house looking like 
death, actually. Um, sleeping in abandoned buildings, just filthy dirty. And my uncle was like, take a shower. And I remember after that, we cleaned that bathtub and everything, you know, um, got him some clothes, um, gave him money to go get a haircut, you know, told him to come back. If you come back with the haircut, I just give you money to put in your pocket. But this person was a heroin addict. Um, and just to see him, and I know my look in his face was a look of disappointing disappointment because this was my uncle. And I'm like saying to myself, like, how did you get this way? And then my other uncle, that was his brother, he helped him out and told him where he needed to go. So there's always ways that you can help. And even if you don't know, you can Google with your phone and find out and go down and talk to people and they will give you the advice on how you deal with individuals like that. What happened with your uncle? Is he in recovery? No, my uncle passed away um, from Did drug, from, from um, using, what do you call the needles? They call inter, uh, intravenous. intravenous drug use. Oh. So he caught, caught hepatitis and he died at an early age, at the age of 31. Oh my God. Yeah. And um it was unfortunate, but yeah. he he went down he went down that road. And I can say people did try to help him out. He tried to help himself out, but it was an addiction that got the best of him. Yeah. Um, so like I know because when I deal with homeless people, I'm be transparent. Sometimes I don't like touching on them or anything like that. Um, I know sometimes they need a hug, but I don't hug people who are clean on the street. I just, that's something that, that guy got to work, <laughs> work with me about. He ain't through with uh, you yet. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, I was in Arizona and this lady, she was living out her car and she needed money and she had the little wine and I can't stand wine. And I don't know what it is about it. I just don't, when somebody wine, I don't care, you a little kid. I don't like you to wine. I like you to open your mouth and speak. And she's just like, do you have, I said, what do you need, ma'am? She's just like, I just need five. I gave her $25. She wanted to give me a hug. I was like, I don't need all that. <laughs> That's my response to you it. said, I'll give you $25 uh, to stop whining. <laughs> no, no, I gave her $25 because she needed it. She went in the store and got, she was like, bless you, sugar, blah, blah, blah. It's fortunate. It was payday. I just had the money on me and I, I gave it to her. But I didn't want to receive the hug. And, and I remember when I went home and I asked God, I said, you can't be like that. You know, because um, you give because God loves a cheerful giver. And at the time I gave, but I didn't think I was cheerful. So <laughs> it's it's a lot that we have to work on. But and this is because of my mom um, and my grandmother, everybody knows Virginia Dunn. I believe my giving heart comes from them yeah. because I saw the works that they did for people. And I saw the appreciation of that. And so that's why, um, and Felicia can vouch for me, I'm kind-hearted in that way. You know, I'm mm -hmm. kind-hearted. I drive down Definitely. the street every day going to school, and I try to keep some cash on me because I drive down the street where, it's a where all the homeless people are right near the, the bus depot. And I have a little luxury SUV, 
and God has blessed me. And so I can't just continue to ride down that street in my luxury SUV and see folks that look like me that are sleeping on cardboard boxes and things of that nature. And it, it's, it's, it, it's tough. It's not tough to give. It's tough to see that going on and you try to make a difference in what you you can do so i know my question was long-winded but i do think that that family should see it within their hearts to find the correct help that that gentleman needs or that because, individual needs and yeah because i believe that they all love him and love is patient love is kind, kind yeah. and love is long-suffering mm -hmm. And I know that they have probably had to deal with this issue for some time and they get tired, mm. but it is, love is definitely long suffering. And mm. this is when your love will be tested. Yeah. But I think that if they do want to help him, I do think that they need to stand firm and mm. just reiterate to him that he really does need to seek treatment for so that he can be in recovery yeah. and get out of this lifestyle of being addicted addicted to drugs which is a sickness it's no um indictment on him or his character it could happen to anyone right like that's why i've decided that i you know i <laughs> I, I would never try heroin because why would i be different from anybody else who gets addicted who gets addicted to it you know what i mean mm -hmm. it would happen to anybody right. so you know yeah, thank you. I hope he will seek treatment and get better. All right. So that's our advice for the week. Uh, that segment went pretty well. And uh, we uh, encouraging our listeners to email us in at, you know, potlickershow uh, at gmail.com. And you can get that out there. And uh, well, where are we at? There we go show at gmail.com if you see that on the screen you can email us in your questions but we rather get in touch with you and talk to you and so if we have additional questions for you you're right there to answer them so we want to thank our guest for coming on she's a trooper because she has is having voice problems so thank yes. you again i love your earrings yeah. thank you these are from faces body soul jewelry yeah. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. 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 I don't know how I jumped you out of that. How did that happen? You cut me out? I didn't even notice. And let us move on. All right. And let us move on. Like this. Keep the keep on. Yes, so today I want to highlight 
the ancient Egyptian city of Cahun. Shout out to my brother Bobby, who inspired me to delve into our history in Africa, because African American African-American history did not start with slavery in the United States. It started in Africa from where we were stolen. So the ancient Egyptian city of Cahun was the world's first planned city. Rectangular and walled, the city was divided into two parts. One part housed the wealthier inhabitants, the scribes, officials, and foremen. The other part housed the ordinary people. The streets of the western section in particular were straight, laid out on a grid, and crossed each other at right angles. A stone gutter over half a meter wide ran down the center of every street. The ancient city of Cahoon was the world's first planned city. This is our little known black history fact for today. All right. And let us move on. All right, our third plug of the day is always our podcast. And today is about the show, The Black Guy Who Tips. The Black Guy Who Tips is a podcast from the minds of Rod and Karen, a black Southern married couple who enjoy pop culture, politics, and comedy. Rod and Karen have been together since they were 16 and have been married since 2002. The show has been mentioned in the Huffington Post, The Daily Beast, The Washington Post, The New York Times, The Los Angeles Times, Bloomberg.com, Box.com, BET.com, and a written about in Ebony.com. Uh, <clears throat> this Queen City Nerve Award-winning podcast has been featured on National Public Radio, Revolt TV, and Vice News. Uh, they have 2,400 ep- 2, episodes plus more in their premium subscription service. They also have performed in several audio plays and one featuring film dirt cheap therapy so let's give it up to um the black guy who tips Let us move on. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Okay. Hospital accused of cover-up after baby decapitated by excessive force. Speak to us on this, partner. Yes. uh, A hospital staff tried to cover up the fact that a baby was decapitated when a doctor delivered him with, quote-unquote, ridiculously excessive force. 
So this happened at the Southern Regional Medical Center in Riverdale, Georgia, which is 13 miles south of downtown Atlanta. Um, the complaint was filed in Georgia's uh, Clayton County, and it alleges that the staff attempted to conceal the manner of death of the baby from the family, including the mother, 20-year-old Jessica Ross, and her boyfriend, Trevion Isaiah Taylor Sr., the baby who was named after his father was delivered at full term, according to the family attorney. According to the lawsuit, the mother, Ross, went into labor on July 9th, and her doctor attempted to deliver the baby vaginally using different methods, including applying traction to the baby's head. During the attempted delivery, the baby did not properly descend due to shoulder dystocia which is a condition, a condition when a baby's shoulders become stuck in the vaginal canal. The, the physician failed to practice according to medical standards, and the doctor grossly and negligently applied excessive traction on the head and neck of the baby and failed to do a cesarean section in a timely and proper manner, which resulted in Travion Isaiah Taylor Jr.'s decapitation and death. Then when the couple just demanded to see and hold their baby, the hospital staff told them that they were not allowed to touch or hold their child. Hospital staff allowed the young couple to only view their dead child. And during this viewing, their baby was wrapped tightly in a blanket with his head propped on top of his body in a manner such that those viewing him could not identify that he had been decapitated. The couple who is black is now suing Dr. Tracy St. Julian, who is also black, along with the hospital and several nurses involved in the delivery. They're being accused of gross negligence and covering up what happened. This is an absolute nightmare. I wanted to first give my sincerest condolences to the family. This is indeed a tragedy. And again, as I always say, I, you know, the mother herself is fortunate to have made it out of this situation alive herself, especially considering the fact that black women are three times more likely to die during childbirth or shortly thereafter. So I just think this is a terrible tragedy. I don't know what it's going to take for black people to be treated more humanely, especially in the medical profession in this country. I don't know what the problem is. And it does apparently, you know, we think that it would be better if we have more medical personnel that are black, but at least in this case, it didn't seem to make a difference. I mean, I, I don't, this is just terrible. And the hospital, when they responded, are basically trying to say that the doctor is not an employee of the hospital. They're trying to absolve themselves. The hospital's trying to absolve themselves of any liability by saying this particular doctor is not an employee of this hospital. You know, because a lot of times doctors have privileges at certain hospitals where yeah. they can, yeah. That's not unusual what they're saying. I don't right. know what they're trying. They're just pointing it out. Like, right. I mean, that's what I would say too. Yeah. But this oh, is That's why horrific. they pay insurance. But this is horrific. I mean, yeah what happened to this family is just 
unfathomable that something like this could happen, that you would be put at some point, it just seems to me, and I'm not even a doctor, but common sense would tell you if you're pulling that hard, you need to do something different. I mean, to pull so hard that you, you separated a child's head from their body. Like what is wrong with you? That's crazy. You don't even have to go to medical school to know not to do that. So this is just a nightmare. And I just feel horrible for the family. And I hope that they receive some type of peace and solace uh, from this matter being resolved eventually in the justice system. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, my heart goes out to this young couple. Um, and we, we don't know. I'm sure the doctor didn't do this intentionally. So I'm going to just say a prayer for that physician too. Um, because sometimes we often get on, you know, the person that did things and sometimes things are a mistake. I don't know. I would like to think he, I mean, the physician didn't do these things with malice. Um, I'm sure he didn't. Uh, well, she is a female. Um, okay. Yeah. Her name again is Dr. Tracy St. Julian. I mean, it's bad enough what she did, but then when the hospital tried to cover it up, that just adds insult to injury and makes it worse. Yeah, that's the horrible part. Mm -hmm. so the hospital might, even though they're not connected, they still might receive. Right. Uh, they're definitely being sued. Yeah. She's so Let us move on. So lastly, we get into Felicia Rashad, who resigns from Howard University um, as the Dean of Fine Arts at Howard University. Um, those of y'all know Felicia Rashad, her big moment was on the Cosby Show playing Claire Huxtable. Mm -hmm. And her sister is also uh, the renowned choreographer and dance instructor, Debbie Allen. Mm -hmm. uh, they both were they both are alumni of Howard University in Washington, D.C. Uh, Felicia came back to resurrect or just help continue the great success of Howard University, who has produced a lot of great actresses and actors at that university. So we want to give it up to uh, Felicia Rashad. And she'll be saying goodbye at the end of the 2023 2024 school year she had agreed to a three-year contract in 2021 so she's gonna you know she's gonna honor her contract, contract yeah. right her contract and yeah all righty then so well partner we made it through yes we and did. <laughs> oh you're gonna scratch do some uh remixing <laughs> all right so we recap at all times first we start with our plugs we had nexum uh joseph the and 
The Black Guy Who Tips. The words of wisdom came from John Henry Clark. Uh, the acceptance of the facts of African-American history as a legitimate part of the academic community did not come easily. Slavery ended and left its false images of black people intact. Uh, what's going on today was the story with Lizzo. Then we switched to Tory Lanez. We dealt with Billy Porter losing his house. And we had an extensive conversation about Neo's comments. Um, we analyzed the famous riverboat brawl in Montgomery, Alabama, and had a good time with that. We introduced a new segment called Advice from the Two. We got to change that title. Um, and we had Felicia York ask a, us a family question, which we did our best to answer. Our little known black history fact at ancient Egyptian city of Kuhan. Kahun. 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 Ancient Egyptian city of Kahun. Um, I all hell no went to the hospital accused of covering up after the baby was decapitated with excessive force. And then we gave it up to Felicia Rashad. Stepping down as Dean of Fine Arts at Howard University after the 23-24 academic school year. And as always, imparting... Thank you, everybody, for taking taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. And so, y'all, we will see y'all shortly, uh, probably in a couple of days or next week.